it's time for Rain and Shine, your weekly regional science update, where we explore how the planet works and how we work with the planet. With the new year upon us, it's common to reflect back on the old and think about what we learned as we look towards and plan for our future. As I looked back this year, two things kept coming up for me in my review. The first is just how much we knew 25 years ago about what the effects of climate change would be today. Renowned climate scientist James Hansen and his team and many other teams of scientists had assembled massive quantitative models which accurately predicted rapid average annual temperature rise and so many of its effects. Melting ice sheets, severe drought, extreme weather, rising sea levels, mass extinction of animals, spread of infectious diseases, and the disruption of human life and resulting migrations that come alongside these destabilized natural patterns. All of this was predicted with astonishing accuracy. And yet, here we are. I have spent the past few years seeing this, and this year, I started to hear others who had also read those papers all those years ago talk about it. It was going to be a problem, and now the problem is here. The second idea only bubbled up to the surface of my mind more clearly in the 11th hour of 2023. It's been there for a while, lurking, but it was clarified when I read an article written by Rebecca R. Helm for Nautilus magazine, titled, The Great Pacific Garbage Patch Isn't All Garbage, It's Also an Ecosystem. In her article, Rebecca talks about following renowned distance swimmer Benoit Lecom as he swims from Hawaii to California by way of the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. As Benoit approaches the patch and swims through it, he drags a net behind him in intervals, picking up what's there. And folks on his support team in the boat check it out. They find lots of plastic, but they also find lots and lots of life. Blue button jellies, by the wind sailors, blue dragon nudibranchs, violet snails, and many other sea creatures that live on the ocean's surface. Then of course are all the sea creatures that like to eat these ones, like giant sea turtles and albatross. It's not that the plastic is attracting the animals, it's that it's there for the same reason they are. The ocean currents and warm dry air have brought it there. Or in the case of living creatures, they have gathered there in what oceanographer Charles Moore calls Neptune's Ocean Desert Nursery. In thinking about this area just as a garbage patch, we are actually going about solving the issue in the wrong way. Giant boats with giant nets are out there collecting the plastic and inadvertently collecting and killing huge abundances of the sea life that is incubating and gestating in the same area. To me, this article offers two important insights. One, we are facing serious environmental problems, problems like plastic patches the size of Texas and collapsing life support systems. Second, life on Earth is abundant and beautiful and not all about us. Putting these two things together, I believe can help us do better as we move towards solutions in the future. James Hansen knew we had a serious problem all those years ago. However, as Rebecca Helm points out, if we only look at a problem, we may fail to see the whole of the ecosystem that also exists around it and simultaneously with it. If we only see the plastic in the ocean and we don't think about why the plastic goes to these patches and think about what else might also go there, then we're working to solve the wrong problem, the plastic's already in the ocean or we solve the problem the wrong way, and we further damage the ecosystem and all the abundant life it contains. With climate change, if we only think about carbon as a problem and continue to approach it as such, 
We will continue to invest in the wrong things, like 600 billion in rising and fake meat, hundreds and hundreds of billions more in direct carbon capture, a technology which fails to work most of the time. If instead we see carbon as the building block of life on Earth that it is, and a fundamental driver of Earth's water and nutrient cycles, we can better assess solutions to rebalance the carbon cycle and understand our own power to move carbon back into places and forms where it drives these positive cycles in ways that further support ecosystems of life. If we can do this, if we can reframe these problems to see the bigger picture, then we can begin to see the tremendous opportunities that the abundance of life and our future has to offer us. You've been listening to Rain and Shine, a production of the Learning Council, produced by Corey Stanton and written and narrated by me, Calla Rose Ostrander. To submit your nature and science questions, email us at rainshineweekly at gmail.com or visit our Facebook page. And thanks for listening.